So we're continuing in this wonderful book on Christian Assurance, Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks. And we're considering things that accompany salvation. And we are concerned now with obedience. The fourth thing I am to show is what obedience that is that doth accompany salvation. That obedience doth accompany salvation I have formally approved. Now what this obedience is that doth accompany or comprehend salvation I shall show you in these following particulars. 1. It is hearty. That obedience that accompanies salvation is cordial and hearty. The heart, the inward man, doth answer and echo to the word and will of God. The believer knows that no obedience but heart obedience is acceptable to Christ. He knows that nothing takes Christ's heart but what comes from the heart. Christ was hearty in his obedience for me, says the believer, and shall not I be hearty in my obedience to him? Christ will lay his hand of love, his hand of acceptance, upon no obedience but what flows from the heart. Romans 6.17 Ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So in Romans 7 verse 25 So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God. My heart, says Paul, is in my obedience, or is in my obedience. So in Romans 1.9, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Many serve God with their bodies, but I serve him with my spirit. Many serve him with the outward man, but I serve him with my inward man. Ezekiel 36.26 and 27. God hath written his law in believers' hearts, and therefore they cannot but obey it from the heart. I delight to do thy will, O my God. How so? Why? The law is within my heart. Psalm 48. Psalm 40 verse 8. The heart within echoes and answers to the commandments without, as a book written answers to his mind that writes it. As face answers to face, as the impression on the wax answers to the character engraven on the seal. The scribes and Pharisees were much in the outward obedience of the law, but their hearts were not in their obedience, and therefore all they did signified nothing in the account of Christ, who is only taken with outward actions as they flow from the heart and affections. Their souls were not in their services, and therefore all their services were lost services. I mean, what a thought. I mean, if we apply that to Christian services as opposed to our general service. If you think about all those churches in the world or throughout history where the gospel isn't preached and where the word of God isn't declared and where the heart of the man is not set upon the Lord Jesus Christ, so much is done, so much effort, so much energy, so much kind of worship, but it all amounts to nothing. It's all a complete waste. It's all empty. It's all worthless. In fact, in many cases, it provokes God to wrath. Their souls were not in their services, and therefore all their services were lost services. They were very glorious in their outward profession, but their hearts were as filthy sepulchres. Their outsides shone as the sun, but their insides were as black as hell. Matthew 23. They were like the Egyptians' temples, beautiful without, but filthy within. Well, remember this. No action, no service goes for current in heaven, but that which is sealed up with the integrity of heart. God will not be put off with the shell when we give the devil the kernel. 
2, obedience seeks to perform all God's will. That obedience that accompanies salvation is universal as well as cordial. The soul falls in with every part and point of God's will, so far as he knows it, without prejudice or partiality, without tilting the balance on the one side or the other. A soul sincerely obedient will not pick and choose what commands to obey and what to reject as hypocrites do. He hath an eye to see, an ear to hear, and a heart to obey the first table as well as the second, and the second table as well as the first. He doth not adhere to the first and neglect the second, as hypocrites do. Neither doth he adhere to the second and condemn the first, as profane men do. He obeys out of a sense of duty. He obeys out of conscience. Psalm 119, verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Look, faith never singles out its object, but lays hold on every object God holds forth for it to close with. Faith does not choose this truth and reject that. It does not close with one and reject another. Faith does not say, I will trust God in this case, but not in that. I will trust him for this mercy, but not for that mercy. I will trust him on in this way, but not in that way. Faith does not choose its object. Faith knows that he is powerful and faithful that hath promised, and therefore faith closes with one object as well as another. So a true obedient soul singles not out the commandments of God as to obey one and rebel against another. It dares not. It cannot say, I will serve God in this command, but not in that. No, in an evangelical sense, it obeys all. Luke 1, 5 and 6. Zacharias and Elizabeth were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They walked not only in commandments, but also in ordinances. Not only in ordinances, but also in commandments. They were good souls and good at both. A man sincerely obedient lays such a charge upon his whole man as Mary, the mother of Christ, did upon all the servants at the feast. John 2.5 Whatever the Lord saith unto you, do it. Eyes, ears, hands, heart, lips, legs, body and soul will do you all seriously and affectionately do you all seriously and affectionately observe whatever Jesus Christ says unto you and do it. So David doth, Psalm 11934, Psalm uh, sorry, 11934 and 69. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. The whole heart includes all the faculties of the soul and all the members of the body. Says David, I will put hand and heart, body and soul, all within me and all without me, to the keeping and observing of thy precepts. Here is a soul, thorough paced in his obedience. He stands not halting nor halving of it. He knows the Lord loves to be truly and totally, serve truly and totally, and therefore he obeys with an entire heart and a sincere spirit. I have read of a very strange speech that dropped out of the mouth of Epictetus, Epictetus, a heathen. If it be thy will, says he, O Lord, command me what thou wilt, send me whither thou wilt. I will not withdraw myself from anything that seems good to thee. Ah, how will this heathen at last rise in judgment against all souls, Jehus, Judases, Demases, scribes, Pharisees, time servers who are partial in their obedience, 
who, while they yield obedience to some commands, live in the habitual breach of other commands. Verily, he that believes in the habitual breach of one command shall at last be reputed by God guilty of the breach of every command. James chapter 2 verse 10. And God accordingly will in a way of justice proceed against him. Ezekiel 18 verses 10 to 13. It was the glory of Caleb and Joshua that they followed the Lord fully in one thing as well as another. Numbers 14.24 So Cornelius, we are present before God to hear whatsoever shall be commanded us of God. Acts 10.33 He does not pick and choose. So in Acts 13.22 I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Or rather, as it is in the Greek, he shall fulfill all my wills to denote the universality and sincerity of his obedience. A sincere heart loves all commands of God, and prizes all commands of God, and sees a divine image stamped upon all the commands of God. And therefore the main bent and disposition of his soul is to obey all, to submit to all. God commands universal obedience, Joshua 1.8, Deuteronomy 5.29 and Ezekiel 18. The promise of reward is made over to universal obedience, Psalm 19, verse 11, and Joshua 1, 8. Universal obedience is a jewel that all will wish for or rejoice in at the day of death and the day of account, and the remembrance of these things, which others of the like nature provokes all upright souls to be impartial, to be universal in their obedience. 3. It flows from faith. That obedience that accompanies salvation springs from inward spiritual causes and from holy and heavenly motives. It flows from faith. Hence it is called the obedience of faith. Romans 16.26 So in 1 Timothy 1.5 Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Faith draws down that divine virtue and power into the soul that makes it lively and active, abundant and constant, in the work and way of the Lord. And as faith, so love puts the soul forward in ways of obedience. John 14, verses 21 and 23. If any man love me, he will keep my commandments. So Psalm 119, verse 48. My hands also will I lift up to thy commandments, which I have loved. Divine love is said to be the keeping the commandments because it puts the soul upon keeping them divine loves makes every weight light every yoke easy every command joyous it knows no difficulties it facilitates obedience it divinely constrains the soul to obey to walk to run the ways of god's commands and as sound obedience springs from faith and love so it flows from a filial fear of god psalm 119 verse 161 Mine heart stands in awe of thy word. So Hebrews 11 verse 7. Noah, being warned of God concerning things not yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Ah, but hypocrites and time servers are not carried forth in their obedience from such precious and glorious principles. And therefore it is that God casts all their services back in their faces. Isaiah 1 verses 11 and 12. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he-goats. 
When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? And as that obedience which accompanies salvation flows from inward spiritual principles, so it flows from holy and heavenly motives as from the tastes of divine love and the sweetness and excellency of communion with God and the choice and precious discoveries that the soul in ways of obedience hath had of the beauty and glory of God. Isaiah 64 verse 5 The sweet looks, the heavenly words, the glorious kisses, the holy embraces that the obedient soul hath had Make it freely and fully obedient to the word and will of God. Ah, but all the motives that move hypocrites and carnal professors to obedience are only external and carnal, as the eye of the creature, the ear of the creature, the applause of the creature, the rewards of the creature, either the love of the loaves or the gain of custom, or the desire of ambition. Hosea 7 verse 14 Sometimes they are moved to obedience by the fear of the creature, and sometimes by the absence of the creature, and sometimes by the example of the creature, and sometimes by vows made to the creature. Sometimes the frowns of God, the displeasure of God, the rod of God, move them to obedience, Hosea 5.15 and Psalm 78 verse 34. Sometimes the quieting and stilling of conscience, the stopping of the mouth of conscience, and the disarming of conscience of all her whipping, racking, wounding, condemning, terrifying and torturing power puts them upon some ways of obedience. Their obedience always flows from some low base, carnal, corrupt consideration or other. Low base, carnal, corrupt consideration or other. Oh, but that obedience that accompanies salvation doth always flow, as you see, from inward and spiritual causes and from holy and heavenly motives. 4. It is ready, free, willing and cheerful. That obedience that accompanies salvation is a ready, free, willing and cheerful obedience. 1. It is a ready obedience. Psalm 27, 8. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Psalm 119, verse 60. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Psalm 18 verse 44 As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. I have read of one who readily fetched water nearly two miles every day for a whole year together to pour upon a dry stick upon a, the bare command of a superior when no reason could be given for the thing. Oh, how ready then doth grace make the soul to obey those divine commands that are backed with the highest, strongest and choicest arguments. 2. As that obedience that accompanies salvation is ready obedience, so it is free and willing obedience. Acts 21.13 Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am willing not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. The beamings out of divine love and glory make gracious souls willing in the day of his power. Psalm of 110 verse 3. Those divine principles that be in them make them willingly obey. So 2 Corinthians 8 3. The Macedonians were willingly obedient, or as the Greek signifies, they were volunteers not only to their power but beyond their power. 
all emotions and actings of Christ towards his people, for his people and in his people are free. He loves them freely. He pardons them freely. He intercedes for them freely. He acts towards them freely. And he saves them freely. And so they move and act towards Christ freely. They hear. They pray. They wait. They weep. They work. They watch freely and willingly. That spirit of grace and holiness that is in them makes them volunteers in all religious duties and services. 1 Chronicles 29 verses 6 to 18. 1 Timothy 6 verse 18 and 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. It is reported of Socrates that when a tyrant ruler threatened death unto him, he answered, I am willing. Nay, then, says the tyrant, you shall live against your will. He answered again, Nay, whatsoever you do with me, it shall be my will. Yet if nature, a little raised and refined, will enable a man to do this, will not grace, will not union and communion with Christ, enable a man to do as much, yea, infinitely more? 3. As that obedience that accompanies salvation is free and willing obedience, so it is cheerful and delightful obedience. It is a believer's meat and drink, it is his joy and crown, it is his pleasure, a paradise to his soul, always to be obeying his Father's will, always to be found about his Father's business. Psalm 40 verse 8 I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is in my heart. As the sun rejoiceth to run his race, so do the saints rejoice to run the race of obedience. God's work is wages, yea, it is better than wages, therefore they cannot but delight in it. Not only for keeping, but also in keeping of his commandments, there is great reward. Psalm 112 verse 1 Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments, that is, in the studying and obeying of his commandments. Psalm 119, verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Divine commands are not grievous to a lover of Christ. For nihil difficile amanti, nothing is difficult to him that loveth. The love of Christ, the growing knowledge of Christ, the embraces of Christ make a gracious soul studious and industrious to keep the commandments of Christ. In lip and life, in work and word, in head and heart, in book and breast. Thus you see that that obedience that accompanies salvation is ready, free and cheerful obedience. 5. It is resolute. The obedience that accompanies salvation is resolute obedience. Joshua 24.15 I and my household will serve the Lord. He is fully resolved upon it, come what may, in the face of all dangers, difficulties, impediments and discouragements. He will obey the Lord. He will follow the Lord. So those worthies, Hebrews 11, of whom the world was not worthy, obeyed divine commands resolutely, resolvedly, in the face of all manner of deaths and miseries. So Paul was obedient to the heavenly vision, though bonds did attend him in every place, Acts 20.23. He is better at obeying than at disputing. 
How can third not associate with flesh and blood? Galatians 1, 15 and 16. So Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, despite all threatenings and beatings, obey the Lord. They keep fast and close to their master's work. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken more unto you than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 4 verses 19, 20 and 29 and 5 verses 40 to 42 compared. Thus you see no trials, no troubles, no terrors, no threats, no dangers, no deaths could deter them from resolute obedience to divine precepts. It is not the fiery furnace, nor the lion's den, nor the killing sword, nor the torturing rack that can frighten gracious souls from their obedience to their dearest Lord. Psalm 119, 106 I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Sixth, its aim is the divine glory. The end of that obedience that accompanies salvation is divine glory. The aim of the obedient soul in prayer and praises, in talking and walking, in giving and receiving, in living and doing, is divine glory. Romans 14, 7 and 8. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. In all actions... The obedient soul intends to promote the divine glory. If Satan, the world, or the old man do at any time propound other ends to the soul, this great end, divine glory, cancels out all those ends. For this is most certain, that which makes, which a man makes his greatest and his highest end will cancel out all other ends. Look as the light of the sun doth extinguish and put out the light of the fire, so when a man makes the glory of God his end, that end will extinguish and put out all carnal, low, base ends. That man that makes himself the end of his actions, that makes honour, riches, applause, and so on, the end of his actions must at last lie down in eternal sorrow. He must dwell in everlasting burnings. The man is as his end is, and his work is as his end is. If that be naught, all is naught. If that be good, all is good. The man, and the man is happy for ever, Isaiah thirty, thirty-three and thirty-three fourteen. Seven, it is constant. That obedience that accompanies salvation, that borders upon salvation, that comprehends salvation, is a constant obedience. Psalm one hundred and nineteen, verse one hundred and twelve. I have inclined my heart to do thy statutes, always, even to the end. The causes, springs and motives of holy obedience are lasting and permanent, and therefore the obedience of a sound Christian is not like the morning dew or a deceitful bow, Psalm 44, verses 17 to 19. All this comes upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy ways, 
though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. The love of Christ, the promises of Christ, the presence of Christ, the discoveries of Christ, the example of Christ, and the recompense of reward held forth by Christ make a sound Christian hold on and hold out in ways of obedience in the face of all dangers and deaths. Neither the hope of life nor the fear of death can make a sincere Christian either change his master or decline his work. Philippians 2.12 Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This was the Philippians' glory, that they were constant in their obedience. Whether Paul was present or absent, they constantly minded their work. Ah, but hypocrites and time-servers are but passionate, transient, and inconstant in their obedience. They talk of obedience, they command obedience, and now and then in a fit they step in the way of obedience. But they do not walk in a way of obedience, they are only constant in inconstancy. Job 27.10 Will the hypocrite delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? Or as the Hebrew hath it, will he in every time call upon God? Will he call upon God in the time of prosperity and in the time of adversity, in the time of health and in time of sickness, in time of strength and in time of weakness, in time of honour and in time of disgrace, in time of liberty and in time of durance? The answer to be given is, he will not always, he will not in every time call upon God, as a lame horse, when he is heated, will go well enough, but when he cools, he halts downright. Even so, an hypocrite, though for a time he may go on fairly in a religious way, yet when he hath attained his ends, he will halt downright and be able to go no further. The abbot in Melanchthon lived strictly and walked demurely, and looked humbly so long as he was but a monk. But when, by his seeming extraordinary sanctity, he got to be made abbot, he grew intolerably proud and insolent, and being asked the reason of it, confessed that his former carriage and lowly looks was but to see if he could find the keys of the abbey. Ah, many unsound hearts there be, that will put on the cloak of religion and speak like angels, look like saints, to find the keys of preferment. They'll probably end up as bishops or archbishops. And when they have found them, none prove more proud, base, and vain than they. Ah, but that obedience that accompanies salvation is constant and durable. A Christian in his course goes straight on head heavenwards. The two milk kine, 1 Samuel 6 verse 12, took the straight way on the way of Beth Shemesh uh, uh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. So gracious souls go straight along the highway to heaven, which is the way of obedience. Though they go lowing and weeping, yet they still go on, and turn not aside to the right hand nor to the left. If by the violence of temptation or corruption they are thrust out of the way at any time, they quickly return into it again. They may sometimes step out of the way of obedience, but they cannot walk out of the way of obedience. The astonished traveller may step out of his way, but he soon returns into it again, and so doth the honest soul. Psalm 119, verses 3 and 4. 8. It is passive as well as active. 
Everyone that will live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 and 2.12 From tongue or pen, from hand or heart. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Romans 8.17 and 18 There is no passing into paradise but under the flaming sword. Through many afflictions we must enter into the kingdom of heaven. Acts 14.22 A sincere heart is as willing to obey Christ passively as actively. Acts 21 verse 13 I am ready not, um, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I am willing, says Paul, to lose my comforts for Christ. I am ready to endure any distresses for Christ. I am willing to lose the creature and to leave the creature for Christ. Paul, Philippians 3.8, speaks of himself as having been like one in a sea tempest that had cast out all his precious wares and goods for Christ's sake. For whom, says he, I have suffered the loss of all. So must we in stormy times cast all overboard for Christ and swim to an immortal crown through sorrows, blood and death. But because I have in this treatise spoken at large of the sufferings of the saints, I shall say no more of it in this place. And thus you see what that obedience is that accompanies salvation. Amen. Now, uh, the next section which we'll read will be things that accompany salvation, love.